Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to the ActTech Retirement Farm, our first episode where we talk about whatever the heck we, uh, we want like. to. Want. Yeah. yeah, basically. The word you're looking for is want. want. Yes. I think his brain is broken. Words. Are you I'm sure great. he's like the one walking for you? No. I'm great at words. Um, um, my name, my name, my name, my name is Rahul, and I am joined by my two co-hosts, Ananya and Peter. Hi, I'm Peter. I'm surprised that Rahul even knows his name. Um, I have no idea what the hell is happening, but I'm sure I'll figure it out eventually. None of us do. None of us do. That's the whole point of this. Yeah, no, I have no idea either. But, but, um, yeah, so, so, so in our first episode, we are discussing something completely, um, uh, we- Completely innocent. It's called, is yeah. weaves are superior to non weaves that's the issue, right? Well, That's the issue of the day, is the weebs are superior race. Well, superior we are, are discussing something I would say a little more controversial. Um, oh. Whether oh. or not prairie dogs are cute or not. There you go. That's the real issue of the day. We Nothing else important matters. We, 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 we are discussing some of the presidential Democratic primary contenders for Oh, so this will go smoothly. This yeah. won't go like terribly. Yeah. Um, if we discuss the Republican nominee, this is going to get... Well, there's no Republican nominee because it's going to be Trump. They're well, just going to run Trump again. So I'm aware of that. So oh, okay. How incumbency works. My point is, if we're discussing the Republican nominee, this is going to get way less neat. Well, Oof. well, I Oof. think. Well, I think discussing the Democratic nominees will be more interesting because you see, all three of us are on the left wing as far as politics go. However. Yeah. However, we are all on different like parts of the left wing. You know, like I, Peter is a little more center left. I I I know. am center left. I've been mistaken for center right. At well, that's kind of what happens when you're center anything. You just yeah get, you, yeah. I know. Side. I'm a but, centrist. But anyway, I get made fun of. But anyway. I mean, you being center left automatically puts you to the right of most of the rest of us. Well, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, I literally am more to the center, like more and to. You being center left automatically puts <clears throat> you to the left of most right wing people. So obviously you're gonna. Yeah. Get you know yeah. Not yeah. I know. So anyway, uh, let's um, let's begin. So um, so, so um, the first candidate that I really want to talk about uh is somebody who's been, uh, somebody somebody who who's been um in the news quite a bit, uh, and uh, I've seen him around a lot. I've, I've seen a lot of um, interviews of him. Um, Andrew Yang. Oh, boy. The Yang gang. Yeah, I was kind one. of expecting you to start with Buttigieg, but... Andrew, well, uh, to be fair, I kind of want to... Because, to be fair, I Andrew Yang is a very interesting kind of Democrat because yeah, he's not the standard. It's he just, isn't. He hasn't been in the news as long as some of the others, but you are right. He has been popping up in the news a lot more. Lately. Yeah, because did you, this, because tomorrow is actually going to be one of the major rallies. You know that. Yeah, I New York, not. right? Yeah. Well, it is going to be in New York tomorrow. So he's going to okay. be in New York tomorrow. So 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 my personal um experience with uh, um sort of hearing about um, Andrew Yang is that I I I saw um, an interview with him. On the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah, same. That's where I first found out about him too. And I also um, watched an interview of him on the Ben Shapiro podcast. Well, not the Ben Shapiro podcast. Ben Shapiro's like Sunday interview thingy. Oh. oh, oh okay. I don't really, I don't really watch Ben Shapiro, but I think it recommended it to me because I was looking up Andrew Yang and trying to figure out who he was. Makes so, sense. Yeah. So, 
Um, before we get to the really big, um, you know, universal basic income, uh, I want to just talk about his general, like, like policies on everything. See, see if you guys have any real uh, comments about it. Sure. Um, like... be- be- before we get into, like, the big UBI um, sort of debate. All right, so uh, Yang on abortion, uh, he is pro-choice. Uh, budget... Um, on, on budget and economy. Uh, that's the, oh. that's the meat and bones of it. We should avoid economies because that's where his meat and bones. That's, is because... that's the universal basic income. Yeah. Yes, like, but yes, yeah. No. Yes, but here it doesn't really say anything about universal basic income. It just says uh, measure standard of living instead of G- GDP. Yeah, because that I think as, which does like, tie into UBI a little bit. I can see how you're saying that, but I do want to at least get through like his basic thing. If you guys have anything to jump in with, please, please, please. Yeah, we, I, we, we know, we yeah. know. Well, right. maybe let's cover everything else and then come to economics last. So yeah, can, let's, yeah, like, let's cover it. Piece of topic. So, uh, on civil rights, supports LGBT, LGBTQ rights. I don't really think any of us have any problems with that. I just, here, my issue is that most people just make a bigger, make bigger problem than it seems to be. Like, like yeah, there's going to be a few goddamn assholes everywhere you go, but, like, that doesn't mean everyone's anti-gay. If there's, like, one person online saying you're a fucking faggot, does not mean that everyone supports that. It's just, well, okay. internet it breeds assholes. Someone who studied the Supreme Court case ruling on LGBT marriage, I will say that the case ruling isn't actually really definitive. Like, both yeah, majority but... and minority opinions acknowledge that it's not actually in the Constitution, that they're just ruling on it as part of the Equal Protection Clause. Right. So it's not actually anywhere near as safe as people think it is. Right, but it's like, so... Like, there's this assumption but... that because the court passed the case, it's that, gonna be like, it's fine. It's, it's kind of not, because what both sides of the ruling acknowledge is that there's actually no place in the Constitution where it says that marriage is a right or that marriage has to be between a man and a woman. Right. Neither side really has a leg to stand on in a court ruling. And until they figure out a way to, you know, equal protection clause incorporation, like there's a whole set of steps that they have to go through to guarantee it as a right. Right. And we have only just started on that. But the fa- okay, well, my issue is not that because that's a legitimate concern. Like, okay, fair. You want the same rights as everyone else. You get married, you get tax benefits. Gay rights, gay, gay, gay marriage didn't have that until recently. Well, I, that's what that's what, we're, yeah. what I'm saying is like, for example, for the most part in the United States, people don't care if you're gay or straight if you don't fucking bother them about it. Like, for example, like if you're gay, like, yeah, that's cool. Like, just don't shove it down people's throats like constantly. You know what I mean? Like, don't be an asshole. I don't think it's I don't think it's a personal thing anymore. It's an institutionalized thing. Right. But like you said, with the tax laws. That hasn't like that's still a ca- that's still the case in a lot of midwestern states. Oh yeah, I'm not the, I'm not denying those cases. I'm just denying yeah. the so stuff on like personal stuff. I'm like just move. I'm like most people don't care but at this point. The point is that when they say that they're pro LGBT, what they really mean is like if oh, you appointing uh, judges in like district courts. Oh no, that's fair. That's fair. That. I'm just saying like the people, yeah. like people itself, like like lower level, like not the politicians. Yeah. But, like, people who generally speak, like, oh, my God, gays are oppressed. I'm like, no, you're not oppressed. Well, you just don't. hold on. That. Because oppressed insinuates something else, which you are not. Like, well, you don't I mean, have this. Like, like, I mean, though a majority of the country um, accepts gay marriage, there is still, like, a lot of, like, stigma and strange opinions and ideas about it. 
Yeah, but that's you could say the same thing of Asian American. Well, are, I is Asian Americans oppressed? Americans aren't sent to like the there's there's this whole idea of like there's there's this actual thing in LGBT um, people who are anti LGBT, which is like conversion therapy. Yes, like, but, you don't see anybody trying to convert Asian Americans to white people like that. Does, they used to. They used to though. Right, they used when, to. Though. But the li listen, listen, listen. This is this is basically just another chapter in civil rights. Is what you just have to understand, yeah. right? Like, right, have, no, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with it. I just, I'm just trying to say is that most we people have, we have legal. So, so not we. Um, there is legal protection for it, and that's LGBTQ people. I'd like to think, for the most part, I would say uh, maybe not for trans people necessarily, but. But definitely, but definitely for gay and bisexual people, they have they have legal protection now, right? Since the twenty fifteen ruling, however, yeah. however, de facto there is still a lot of stigma and a lot of things people don't quite understand yet. Much like civil rights in the sixties and how you know racism isn't exactly solved right now. It might be much better than the sixties, but that doesn't mean that it's right. But what yeah, I'm just saying done. is that it just takes time because for the most part, like you just it's like ten years ago, most people were against gay marriage. It takes it took time. Ten, but yeah, like, it takes time. But like, well, like consider this, right? Everybody after JFK who ran on the Democratic platform said they were pro civil rights. Like they that's have true. To. It's part of the platform, right? Because right. A lot of people it, that tends to distinguish, like that shows. See, it's not just a matter of you know saying it and like leaving it at that right like there's there's the question of allyship which is something yeah. that they teach a lot of college students especially on my campus right is the idea of if you believe in a cause it's not enough to just stand by and like let the progress happen like you need to try and be a part of the progress right for me i just the matter is because for me i just look at institutions like for, at the federal level because if it says it's there then i'm just like okay then it's just up to them to so, like well, consider yeah, the Peter, recent DOJ listen, policy that trans need... soldiers can't serve in the army and the courts, the court Which is, that. isn't that con uh, unconstitutional? Not, that's, that's exactly my point. It's not unconstitutional. The government does have the right to regulate Peter, who Peter, serves in the army and who doesn't. Peter, and they're regulating. The wait, 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 let her speak, let her, let her speak, let her okay. speak, and then you can speak. One at a time, one at a time. Okay. So they're regulating it under the premise of medical guidelines. So the oh, okay. can rule... Right, like I actually can't serve in the army because I have three or more pre-existing conditions that are genetically inherited in my family. Okay. Right? So yeah. that is, or like the reason that certain people below a certain height can't serve in the Air Force. Yeah. Right? Because or actually, army, yeah. I thought it was because if... An army, like army, like the money in the army can't physically support soldiers who have those, who have or could develop those conditions or aren't like... The army can't retrofit planes to to accommodate shorter pilots, right? Like, yeah, so that's the idea under which they are banning trans soldiers, okay. saying that they can't pay for their medical care and their hormone therapy, which they would have to continue to take. Right, hormone therapy isn't something that you can necessarily stop for like a very long time. You have to continue taking it because the human body is very adaptable. It goes back to the way it was before you started taking the hormones. Yeah. So all right, all right, all right, all right. Okay. They're all right. that they can't pay for so, that. Okay, well, so sure. let me revise my stance. Uh, and I really just think... Start, 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 start moving on. I um, just wanted to revise my stance and then we can move on, I'm if sure. you don't mind. Just for the record, I just feel that um, 
like, okay, my issue is just make it so that legally, institutionally, that they're equal, and then just solve it from there. From there, you don't need to hear Democratic, like... Yeah. All right. Like, uh, no, 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 I'm just saying on the individual level, because I hear a lot of this on the individual level. All right. It pisses me off. Not the... I don't care the big guys do it, because I don't talk to them. That's all my right. issue. It's like the small people. All right, just, just to sort of throw my opinion in there, because I didn't really say a whole lot. Uh, right. I, 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 I think that uh, Peter is right. Uh, it does take time. However, I think with time, you need to also push because if you don't push with time um you're you're not going to get any results and um so i'm kind of in the middle of you two as as usual um oh so, great stop so, don't your insinuations are wrong yeah well you need to get your head out of the gutter uh <laughs> very funny but we're in jersey there is still out of the gutter anyway Anyway, Look, I've been sitting here roasting Staten Island this whole time, just Whoa. like cool. anyway, the one place that I can roast. Anyway, yes, fantastic, uh, fantastic take on LGBTQ rights. Uh, I think we're all on the same page, though. Like we we all still support those rights. We just yeah. have, we just have different yeah. ways of going about it. I I would just like to clarify that in general. Um, yes, just to kind of end on an agreement. Um, I will punch. Anyone and everyone equally. That's how I see it. Okay. Because everyone deserves the punching at times. Man, woman, straight, bi, I don't care who you are. You're all equal to a punch if you're an asshole. There you go. See? Equal rights. Um, no, I'm joking. Joking. Clause works. You oh. would go to <laughs> just casually pointing that out. Yeah, I know. It's a joke. Like, I'm just saying, if anyone's oh, being an asshole, you deserve to be punched. It's anyway, like, you know. Anyway, back to um, Andrew Yang on crime. Or, sorry, on corporations. Oh. Um... Oh boy. The same thing, right? Crime Corporation? Same. Oh. Oh. Hilarious. <laughs> Man, someone's real left wing today, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, same tax rate on capital gains on, as on earned income. Um, Wait, could you say that one more time? Same tax rate on capital gains as on earned income. Oh, okay. That's interesting. <sighs> I think I, 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 I think a lot of this stuff like is like UBI adjacent. Yeah. So yeah. Oh shoot, that that's me. Um, anyway, Jesus Christ, you don't have that on mute. Yeah, I actually need that on mute. Um, we are we are real 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 professional on this podcast. Um, anyway, on crime, replace mass incarceration with social programs. And body cameras for every police officer. Any thoughts? Because I no, that sounds like that sounds okay. Let me okay. I think that most people agree that um, like police officers should have body cameras just because you know you're recording it, seeing what's going on, so that way there's more evidence sure. for what's going sure. on. And the only issue I would see is um, like social programs because I can understand why some right wing people say there needs to be a punishment because like for example, if you kill someone, you shouldn't be like reformed to the better person. You should also be punished for that shit. You know what I mean? Like, well, okay, so now like, we're getting into the prison industrial complex. Right, I know. I, I've studied this, like, at long term. What I'm just saying is that there should be a punishment and there should be a reform. Well, like, you shouldn't get, Well, just like, for our hypothetical right-wingers, um, let's... Uh, I, I'll, play the, I'll play the right-wingers in this scenario because I, I, I know... I would like to say that, like, your punishment in some way is, like, sort of, sort of being forced forced out of where you live in your, like, regular life. 
But the thing is that some of them will say that's not enough. Like, for example, you ruined multiple lives. Like, you should face harsher sentences than just getting to go to a daycare. Like, that sort of thing. Because they see a lot of the social, like, yeah, I know it's not exactly like that, obviously. But I'm just playing devil's advocate because someone has to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about it. But, like, but I still say that, like, like, like. I, 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 I feel like oh, 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 the right wing um, in response to that would say, you know, something like, oh, what if it's a mass murder or what if it's, you know, someone... Well, they're still going to be locked... I, most people will agree that if they did a right. heinous crime, they should be locked up, like, depending on the situation for certain right. states, it will be death row or other states' life in prison. Like, right. that's just how it is. Obviously, but I'm just saying, like, for even lesser crimes, like, for example, manslaughter, you still killed someone and you still ruined their family. Like, there's still, there's still impact, so you should still face some sort of punishment. Like, I agree. Like, for example, if you do wrong, you should face consequences, right? And that's what, I mean, what most like, right-wingers... Like, for example, they don't they don't want to make it like a cakewalk. So you got to balance the line between the two. I think, um, yeah. Out of curiosity, what's Yang's stance on the death penalty? Would you happen to know? I'll um, look it up right now. I'm on his I'm on his page right now, so yeah. let me just see. Yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm also studying for exams, so... Yeah, that's fine. He doesn't have... I don't think he has a... Alright. Um, I, I, it's... For me, I just let it be up to the states because I just, uh, it's like, I don't know. I don't want to get into the whole death. I, 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 I'm personally completely against the um, death penalty, but nobody's surprised there. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm also against the death penalty, but I think maybe for a slightly different reason than Rahul. Um, uh, give you a reason. I, I, I have a pretty standard left My opinion is that reason. it can't be done humanely, so it shouldn't be done at all. Oh, I don't care if okay. it's humane or not. Okay. I don't care if it's humane or not. Like I'm not, I'm not fundamentally opposed to the state imposing like death penalty. Does no, that make okay. sense? Yeah, no. For me, for me, I feel like the state. But there is no their... way to do it humanely. No, there is. No, there. No, there isn't. No, a bullet. But I, I just think like for okay. Uh, 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 the bullet can miss, no. buddy. No, if you go point blank, you don't miss. Like for no, I'm, okay, that's okay. People have survived. Yeah, I know. Like, I know. That's, no method of state-imposed death is actually foolproof and therefore humane. Like, like a, lot of say, a lot of people kind no, of cyanide like... cyanide also doesn't necessarily work. No, yeah. oh yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, that's true. If it expires, like, that's what happens yeah, with you. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, 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 like, like, okay, okay. So, like, very interesting point. This, John no. Oliver did a really great... I know, he did two of them. He did two of them. On like one of the really good special medically that's really accurate on how lethal injections work, right. and his research is completely accurate according to a lot of medical um, experts and right you know, because a lot of, that's a what lot he of does. Current, like a lot of current guidelines, it's it's extremely accurate, and that is how it that is how it actually happens a lot of the time. All right, so let me just put it, my view is that for certain crimes, like only like in the highest case, like oh yeah, you killed your master your master rapist or like mass killer like pedophile or like massive pedophile ring and all that or you did high high treason like i don't think you should have a humane death you committed a serious and heinous crime like like fuck off you did something really terrible and you should face the consequences for it which is i'm death. gonna point out though that up to four percent of death row inmates are actually innocent yeah i know that's what but like that's that's my main and reason also, if i want to pose it also the death row costs like, yeah, I know. Cost money because of legal costs. I know. I know. I've done the research. I've been part of it. I just think like 
I, I, what I'm saying is that I think the state should have the right to allow it to happen. If the states don't want it, that's their choice. I think they, the states should all have right. the right if they want to use it or not. Like that's all that's right. all I'm saying. Oh, agree like, to disagree then. Let's yeah, just let's, because that's that's where I just stand. Let us move on. Um, on drugs, the war on drugs has not worked. Treatment instead of punishment. Yeah. Um, wants to legalize marijuana and. He wants to decriminalize small quantities of opioid use and possession. Okay. Now, I, I have... I, 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 I'm not opposed to the opioid thing, but I'm definitely a little bit um, skeptical of it. No, because... Let me explain why I think he's doing it. Because in Portugal, they used to have a massive drug problem, but when they decriminalize all drugs and say, if you center, right? Like... Yeah. And you get yourself treated, we will pay for it, and you will get clean, and you won't be punished for it. That's what. And then suddenly the um, drug use went, went down massively. I would argue so, that Portugal maybe doesn't have the same problem with contaminated drugs that the United States. Right, has. right. But the thing is that there is many sources proven that if you decriminalize it and allow them to get off the drug without punishment, because the reason why a lot of people don't like. Like they want, they know that what they're doing is wrong, but they can't stop is because there's no way for them to stop because it's illegal. So if you decriminalize it and say, "Look, if you go get help, we will help you," most people will take up on that chance because it's fucking expensive, it's terrible, and they don't like it. But they they just keep doing it because they don't know what else to do. So I get what he's trying to say. It's just you know slowly it helps. Um, it, it should help with the problem at least. All right, fair enough. I'm I'm not fundamentally opposed to it. I'm just... I'm just skeptical. Yeah, I can see that. I just think that it's a a better system that we have, which is to send them all to prison, which means we can get rid of the prison population and make it more humane. Yeah. All right. So for me, my thing is, like, I'm not, again, I'm not opposed necessarily to the idea. I just, I'm really skeptical on the medical side of things. Right. The problem with a lot of drugs now is not that it's just the pure drug, right? Like heroin isn't just heroin anymore. It's right. It's because it's mixed. mixed. It's cheaper for the drug cartels. Yeah, it's often laced with things like fentanyl and other really high dose um, opioids that are 10 to 20 times stronger than heroin. Right. So my my concern with decriminalizing part of it is that the things that people will get their hands on is not going to actually be considered safe drugs. Right, but here's and the by thing. criminalizing it, potentially you make it easier for them to get their hands on things that are considered unsafe. So Wait, well, I think the way he's trying... Okay, okay I'll, I'll let you finish. With closer regulation of those drugs, right? Like, unless they were able to potentially clean up the market and end up with <coughs> drugs that are a lot safer than what we have that are laced right now, I don't think it's going to help in the United States as much as it helped there. I think the way we have talking. different, we have different, like each country has different, I meant for lack of a better term, I'm going to say suppliers for those yeah. drugs. And I'm because going ours to comes from Mexico. Mexican, I'm going to argue that the cartels that supply laced drugs in the United States, you're not going to have it to the same severity as you are. Like in the United States, like it's not going to be the same in Europe. It's going to be much less severe. Yeah, obviously. But what I'm tr- okay, here's that up. If, I, if I'm just trying to say is that the way he's trying to say is that we're going to prioritize our w- efforts away from the users to the ones selling it because decriminalizing drug use does not mean drug selling. 
So therefore, people who still sell the drugs are still going to be persecuted, targeted, and apprehended to the fullest extent of the law. It just means, like, for example, like you said, like if they're selling drugs, boom, you get locked up because you're selling illegal substances. How if you want to get clean, we're not going to punish you for it because you're doing a good thing for some. Because it's um, you're doing a medical necessity, and you're helping the taxpayers by saving money. Like, for example, medical costs go up if there's more drug users because firefighters need to get more like life-saving drugs and all these things. If we can slowly get rid of it. That's a good thing because that means there's less drug users, which yeah. means more productivity, more work, all, right. all that stuff. So, so that's where I think he's trying to say focus away I'm, from I'm, the users I'm to totally the sellers. That. I just want to point out, though, that potentially you need to clean oh. up the market of drugs as well. Right. Because by decriminalizing it, potentially your immediate reaction is going to be that it's okay to do it. Yeah. And you, you don't want to put public health at risk right. by not cleaning up the drugs at the well, same time. Well, I think time. decriminalization is different from legalization, so I don't know if you're going to actually... Well, yeah, but my so point I don't know is... If you're like, actually going to, like, I don't think you're going to encourage people to do it. It might actually... Like, I think she, what she's trying to say, Rahul, yeah. is that, um like, decriminalizing means, like, you're not going to be punished for it. And a lot of things is, like, oh, I won't do it because I'm going to get in trouble for it, but, like... Oh, now I won't get in tr- as much trouble as I would be if I did before. Yeah, my I might do it people now. might be a little less careful about their use. Yeah, I, exactly. I disagree. I don't think they... I, I think... I, I don't think... I, I, I think a lot of the evidence that we have from other countries doesn't really point to that. So, right. But the thing is that we... we it's still a concern. But, like, hey, like, but, you guys, know, it uh, might be real. We should move on. We're, like, nearly half an hour in, and we haven't even gotten past the first candidate. There's 20 yeah. of these. Um, yeah. Um, are you are we actually doing all 20 of them? Or? Not in one shot, but... <laughs> but I guess... Let's try to get five. Okay, but sure. But I guess let's... now we're going to devote an entire episode to Andrew Yang, so that's... <laughs> yeah, sure, let's fuck it. Let's just stick to one, you know? All right, uh, but I do want to move on because there's a lot to get to. All right? Um, if, uh, 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 um, if you guys have something else specifically to say, please say it now, um, um, as far as drugs are concerned. Yeah, okay. I like his um, his platform of lowering the national voting age to 16. I don't. I do not. I fucking don't. I because would I argue think... that a lot of the issues that we have now isn't that the voting age is 18. I would argue that the issues is that it's not mandatory in schools to learn about civics. I think I think if you inst- if you institute a policy of like teaching civics as part of a high school curriculum, which he has, okay. which he right. has, so, he, it, one of his things is um, teaching life skills in high school, which I think is kind of what you're saying. So we shouldn't lower the voting age because sixteen years are fucking stupid. I would no, know. That's that's not the point at all. I think his policy of combining a. More- instituted civics education program and a lower voting age is a good idea i don't agree with it i just really don't like yeah, the fact look. like because because for, here's the thing 60 year olds don't serve in the uh, reason why we lowered the, uh, the voting age to 18 is because 18 year olds were forced 18 year old males were forced into the draft because that's what you do in order to go to college and pay for that you have to sign up for the selective service act Selective service which means you're now eligible for the draft cool but the thing is, when they were drafted, they could not vote, and they could, which means they couldn't choose why they should go to war or not. 60-year-olds, that's why we lowered 18. 60-year-olds do not have to face the responsibility of being drafted. Therefore, I would, it- however, argue that the problem with the voting age being 18 and the reason why voting turnout is so low 
is because you're not actually taught how to vote until you leave high school. Okay. So, right, but the thing so is, but the thing is, that guys, we could just teach guys, them. Why don't we just teach uh, them how to vote and then in? let them vote when they but become then you eighteen? Give them a two-year gap between potentially learning right. how. To How's it a two-year gap? You just teach so, them senior year. Boom, done. Most of them are seventeen, eighteen at that point. So, but try to institute a national policy of teaching every high school senior civics. Okay, that's not so going to go. Over. How about? It's a state's issue. That's a state's issue because education is mainly state stuff. High school students civics. But I do not think that we should have them, like, vote. I think yeah. 16 is way too young to be able to exactly. vote. I would certainly not be happy voting at 16. I, I would certainly not be a well-informed voter at 16. And I don't think really any 16-year-old, any save a few... Um, um, uh, I don't think any 16-year-old Especially a mature 16-year-old really has the <laughs> capability... To make a decision like that, however, I do I would agree. Argue, we, however, we do need to incorporate civics education. There are a lot more issues now that affect high schoolers than there were before. Right, like but think the about thing is, gun control. Right, like that is something that has become a topic of national prominence. Wait, wait, what? Because of the impact gun control. Okay, and, on like, school shootings, school shootings, like that. Yeah, I would argue that right now... The but the thing is, okay, but here's, here's my issue, is that you're giving oh, legal minors the right to vote, which means Can I finish, that... please? Okay, my bad. When I say right to vote, right, right to vote doesn't necessarily mean in a national election, right? There are different standards for voting in different states based off like there are different driving ages right depending on the state that you live in yeah i would argue that to vote in a state or county election you don't need to be 18 because the the concepts that you're examining aren't as large scale as a national election would be like i would have loved to vote at 16 for my congressional representative because i think even at that point a lot of us didn't necessarily like the congressional representative that we had Okay. Sure. And if I may say something we, we, about I'm going to put into question the, the level of maturity. How do you know no, that no, no, an no. average 16-year-old is capable of making a decision like that? Okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate here for Nanya's side. I'm going to say, how do you... What? Hello? How do you know that 18... Okay, so I'm going to say my position here is that... Okay, I get what you're trying to say, Nanya. That makes more sense. But the issue is that local elections... No one votes in them. That's like, there's only a 23% vote out for like. And I would local. argue by making it by by teaching them to do it in high school and yeah. making civics a part of the curriculum in high school, you could increase local local um, election voter turnout. Which in turn, once people get th the problem with voting is a lot of people never do it. Once they start doing it, they generally tend to continue. That's what yeah. the natural trend has been. But right. so if you get people voting in state elections younger. You're gonna get them voting I in. I think we should do it. Okay, my if I may say something. The issue is, is what is? But, but why do we have to tie these two together? Why do we have to make? Yeah, exactly. That's my same thing. That's the same thing taught. here. Why do we have to make civics taught in high school and people have to vote? Look, I am all for teaching civics in high school. Peter and I took took some form of civics in high school, and we. Both I took IPPL. I took like uh, I took one of the. Yes, okay, here's yes, what. Here's what. Yes. If I may my say my point is uh, that we we both took it in high school, and we both loved it, and we both felt felt more uh, um, um, in tune 
with how the government works. However, I would not trust myself to make the right decision at the age of 16. 16 is very impressionable. The only reason why I want to keep it at 18 is because 18-year-olds are still put into the draft, and I don't think that's fair. Yeah. Right? To to yeah. take it out of the draft. Honest to God, if I, like, would... Uh, 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 if I... If we didn't have, like, the draft anymore, or if we didn't have, like, the army anymore for some crazy reason, right? Right? Then, like... Th then, like crazy is just for the United States. Right, right. Just just hear me out here, right? If, if, if we didn't have, like, that that reasoning, I wouldn't even want an 18-year-old to, to make these kinds of decisions. I think citizen education is extremely important, and I think... If if Yang is really big on that, I think he 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 he's got a solid solid uh, platform on that. However, lowering the voting age is just going to make more un even more uneducated people uh, um, involved in the in the election process. Think of the average sixteen-year-old people. Okay, if I may say something, if I may, uh, I'm going to say something like I think we're biased because we grew up in New Jersey and in a town that had really good civic education because that's that that's where our biases come in we have to acknowledge that okay. our school was one of two schools in the entire state of new jersey that had a program where everyone had a mock election like like, like ipple what we had that that's that class oh yeah that class of ipple the institution of politics legal and education like that's sort and of having thing, right? met a lot of people who came from school like high schools in new york i can say that it's pretty uncommon in new york especially the further north you go. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so what I'm trying to say is that we grew up in a very different environment than most others because I was a part of it, which means I saw, like, I learned civics. I didn't learn all the intricate details. But I talked to the mayor. I talked to a congressman. I've met them. I've talked to them. I've seen how they kind of do their work, like a basic bare bones, like, here's a kiddie version of what you do, but, like, I've done it, like, that sort of thing. And that got me into it. Like, a lot of those people now I know, like, I, I still talk to them. Uh, they're pretty involved in local governments and that sort of thing because they learned to do it there. So, And a lot of the people at our school learned the debates and stuff and started maybe voting more is because we have those like fake elections every at the end of every year because that's what we do. And so maybe that's the reason why a lot of us know more about politics because we were a right. part of it. Like We were part of a school. And maybe right. if we do that on a wider level, that might be better because they might actually know a few more things. Okay, guys. But the thing is that, but yeah. the thing is that being uneducated does not mean they're dumb. It just means they're not educated. That, that, I just want to get that out there. I also argue that our definition of uneducated guys, we should probably start wrapping this up. So, Anya, you'll get the last word. Yeah, I would also argue that our term uneducated doesn't necessarily mean that we don't know anything. It just means that our biases influence our votes more then it would an adult, but doesn't bias influence vote no matter how you go? Like, consider that people who are ages 65 and over don't actually tend to think of the younger population when they vote. They tend to think of themselves. Yeah. As they should, right? Because that's the point. Like, you are voting for someone to represent you. Like, voting is inherently, like, a selfish act, right? It's not selfless. You're voting for someone who you think is going to put your ideas and your policies in place. So I would argue that, you know, like it's already present, especially in such huge numbers among people who are 65 and over, that like that's that's the reason why things like action hasn't been taken against things like climate change, right? Is because they don't 
younger voters don't turn out in enough force to offset older voters. But by the time a lot of us reach college, our priorities and our activism has changed. Like, I would argue that high schoolers are inherently idealistic in many ways, but that idealism is what pushes policy. All right. Uh, so uh, I got something so, to say about that, but so we're going to move fantastic on. Fantastic points all around. I think we all kind of made our own points. And, um, Agree to disagree. So let's... Let's go so back let's, to this topic at a later date. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And to be honest, if we if we if we keep doing this, we will end up in the same topic anyway. Because yeah. because I mean, there are twenty two candidates. There are beliefs that will overlap. Well, okay. I think we've kind of established our viewpoints on a lot of them. So, but well, we can just make one whole point and just about. We'll right. be sponsored a lot with this first guy because you know we have to you know make our opinion like people don't know what our opinions are. Right, right. Yeah. I think now that we've made them heard, we can move a little quicker. Right, right. So sure. So uh, um, Yang on education. Uh, we just finished talking about um, education for the most part, but I would like to uh, oh. also note that he wants to um he 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 says that um, improving teacher salaries improves student success. Um, and don't forget the vocational stuff. What? Vocational education. Does he say something about vocational education? He promotes it because he believes that. Okay, here's his stance on. What? There's too many people going to colleges because not everyone like is going to go to colleges. For example, sure. um, like there's a lot of jobs. There's over 30 million good-paying jobs that doesn't require education or the degree, right? Mm -hmm. But the thing is that most people aren't trained in that because they need to go to a vocational school. Like for example, you don't just become a plumber. You have to learn how to become a plumber. And a lot, like this effectively, uh, like a lot of males shouldn't go to, he's trying to say it because a lot of males are like hands-on, like they do mm -hmm. stuff with their hands, that sort of thing. And so a lot of them should be going to like plumbing or like sure. other jobs that aren't as well revered because, you know, it's like seen as a lower like denigration, like you don't do it. So right. promoting like people who like machinists, like line repair, air conditioner, exterminators, like high end ma manufacturing, that sort of thing. Those you need vocational education, but we don't have a good system of it. Like, for example, in Germany, 60% of people get a vocational education, and they have a good-paying job at the end of it, that sort of thing. All right. It's so, like, like, it's true that, like, right now, if you're a plumber and, you're a well and you have a well-established business, a lot of plumbers are making more than what most law school graduates make. Yeah, because there's a high demand, low supply, and they're always going to call you first before they call or doctor. Like for example, if your your pipes are clogged, you're gonna call that immediately. If like, you have okay, a medical hours for a lot of these jobs are kind of shitty, but you get paid really well for those hours. Yeah. So you get paid like twenty an hour. Higher pay for that exact reason. So yeah. uh, I think yeah, I think we're all pretty much in agreement on that. I think well, I I I too think a, a vocational stuff is um, a fantastic thing for people to go into, and we need to encourage people to do that. And we need to um, get rid of the uh, the stigma um, against um, vocational trades. Um, I think we're all in agreement with that. So let's um, yeah move on. Move on. How do you feel about teacher salaries on uh, uh, being increased? I'm biased because I'm from Jersey. We're from Jersey, so well, they, yeah. they get paid a quite a bit here. So I think New Jersey does a really good, like at least our town does a really good job. Teachers like decent wages. Yeah. So I think like we should like. Like, I don't know, like, I, I get why, like, other states, they should get paid more, but, like, like, Oklahoma doesn't pay them enough, like, uh, there's, like, whatever, like, I, I am not the right person to ask about this stuff, because 
I grew up well, in a state that okay. had a really good education for it. Well, I mean, you can, well, I mean, you can um, acknowledge your biases and just... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I was just saying, I think they're getting paid a lot, but that's because I grew up in a town where they got paid a lot of money. So. Um, I think that a teacher needs to be paid... I, mean, I wouldn't say, like, pay them, like, a ton, ton of money, but I would say that, like, some of the teachers that I had in high school deserved a lot more money than whatever they were making because they were fantastic teachers and fantastic people who really inspired me to do things like I'm in the field and at least take on you know um take on different challenges so I'm absolutely good with improving teacher salaries I would like to see some data on like what teacher salaries are necessarily because as you said uh new 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 jersey teachers get paid i think better than a good bit of the nation but well here's the thing it's a state's issue it's not a federal issue because states are because teachers are paid by the state well, so yes well yes but the federal government can can put pressure on the states to do that oh yeah no doubt but we're doing so, that now to an extent i'm gonna i'm gonna just jump in real quick and i'm sure. gonna while New Jersey has good teacher salaries, we also vastly overpay administrative positions. Oh, that's true. Situation. Like, without okay. naming Nate, both of you know who our ex-high school principal was, right? Uh, which one? Oh, oh the, one who was, the one who was principal when yeah. we graduated. Yes, I think. What was his name? Wow. I forget. I, I, I intentionally deleted my memory. We will talk about it. All right. We will talk without about that anything after. Further. I'm not going to name names, but basically this person has now been given a job that didn't exist before and is $150,000 a year. Jesus fucking Christ. Exactly. My, that's more than... That's, that's, that's not just the case with him. Our formal middle school principal. Oh, him? Job. Yeah. Not our, our, our high school and middle school principal both have jobs exceeding $150,000 in pay every year. For job positions that did not previously exist and was created for them because of things like contracts and so on and so forth. You know and what's really bullshit about that? A lot of the money that they get paid for their jobs isn't actually equivalent to the amount of work they do. And so if wages were actually more equivalent to the amount of work that they did, teachers would get paid a lot more. And administrative positions, while they do a lot, they would get paid way less than they do. And that seems to be a consistent problem across the country. That is, is that, that is a consistent problem. At the board of education level and up get paid exponentially higher amounts of money than teachers do. Because of true. the idea that like as because they work in an administrative position, they're entitled to certain percentages and pay raises every few years. Right. But the percentage and pay raise for teachers is much lower. And it's not just teachers, right? A lot of, like a lot of people essential to the school system include people like substitute teachers, instructional aides, one-to-one -one paraprofessionals, who in our district actually don't get paid that well. That's, that's a big problem. That's a big that problem. Industry. I did not know that. Yeah, I. I my, yeah. my mother works as as a, a, a union representative for one-to-one -one representatives, right? Oh, okay. And my my mom is an immigrant, right? And yeah. so isn't. She didn't grow up in a school system telling her that she was basically entitled to make this amount of money, right? She does not have a teaching degree. She entered this job after some training, coming from a bachelor's degree in accounting. Right. right? But the point that she's making is, is that t neither teachers nor uh, paraprofessionals who are actually on the front lines of teaching and take care of the day-to-day -day work 
and actually influence the students and pay for a lot of the costs of teaching themselves actually get paid the amount of money that they should be paying compared to the individuals at a higher level who get paid way too much for the amount of work that they're doing. But the thing uh, is that this is more of a corruption issue, not a, uh, like, pay issue. Okay. For, well, for that's example. exactly the point, right? Like, that's yeah. why people are protesting, because this is not something that isn't... Like, people recognize that a lot of the policies present in paying teachers the minimal amount that they get paid, especially in other states where it's much worse, it's not something that can't be fixed, right? Like, it's it. the solution is already present. It's just a matter of getting people to... Do it. Recognize the problem. Okay, so well, okay, so I heard. Uh, okay, I was talking. Okay, if I may say something, I have a really. Uh, this is not mine. And this is a friend of mine who believes that. Okay, the best way to solve this is to get rid of local board and to have at it at a state level, like to have it at the state level that the state I take care of. That's that is very difficult to actually keep keep control would, of. But the I thing is, the, the, I'm just I'm, not, I'm saying his point of view. This is. I was arguing. Sure, sure. I don't agree, but he says that that the state actually gives a damn because they don't—they're not locally invested, so they're not bribed. They can't be bribed by local government officials, and they're in their ivory palaces, right? So they see like, oh, this what needs to be done, right? So they can just clear lines saying, you need this, you need this, you do this, you do that, and they—they they they want a good standard because. They have to worry about like state prestige and all that stuff, right? They have to worry about the big picture because that's their whole point at the state level is to look at the big picture. But so when they look at the big picture, control. Uh, 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 yeah, right, right. But the thing is that he says like the thing the problem is that state governments are are, are there. There's more control over the state government because more people vote in that than the local government. So that's what there's. He's trying to say is that state governments are more controllable. That sort of thing. I don't agree with it. Might. The state government, and this is going to be the uh, uh, the last point for this topic, at least. Um, the uh, the state government might might have a better control over things, but I don't believe that. Um, but, but I don't believe that that the state should have the full control over the districts because there is a level of like, of of of, of, of like local needs and, and um, to be met like. By the by, the local government. I don't know if I'm phrasing this really correctly. No, I don't. No, to you say have the right idea. Yeah. Well, I agree with you. I'm just saying another. Oh. But anyway, I've... but anyway, we we should probably move on to uh to uh, um to uh, um um uh, to um energy and the environment. Okay. Um. <clears throat> uh, in, invest heavily in carbon capture and geoengineering. Okay. They they want a carbon tax, which is I think part of the Green New Deal. Kind of, it's a part of it. Yeah. Um, it's. Uh, and also, nuclear energy is the future. Oh yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Um, does, does anybody have any comments like disagreeing with any of this? Because I'm pretty uh, much for it. My issue is just the like. It's just one how quickly and how fast he wants. A lot of his policies are capital intense, which means it's going to cost a shit ton of money. And how fast he wants to do it means we might be in a serious economic issue with this. You know what I mean? Well, like, we're already looking at a potential debt crisis right now. Yeah, so but do you want to make it even worse? Whatever the next president does is going to have to be. See, it. they're caught in a catch-22 because this is like climate change is a cause that requires serious and immediate action if yeah. we're going to have any shot of potentially mitigating the damage that's already done. Oh. At the same time, though, 
we're going to run into issues in terms of how this is all going to play out amongst voters who, you know, potentially might have their taxes increased. And, you know, businesses that if they have a carbon tax may just choose to leave the United States and go elsewhere to do their business, especially to countries with less restrictive environmental policies. The only way that I see his policies working right now exactly the way that it is, Mm. is if every country in the world were to implement an equally restrictive... But they're not going to. So that businesses (laughs) could not leave and ostensibly would have um, to pay a carbon tax and then that money would be made back. um, To respond to the whole, um, every country would have to do that. Um, Even if that is true, I think it is so much easier to have other countries sign on to something like that than than to move the U.S. in that direction. So I think that that if we can get the U.S. to move in that direction... That's a very fair point. Because, 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 listen, like, I think the U.S. is like, 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 there is some, some s- statistic, like... Paris Climate Accords and the Kyoto Protocol both are not, uh, international climate change agreements that the United States has not signed on to or has withdrawn from. Not what I was going for, but also good points. Uh, uh, um, I was going for um, this idea that... Um, that like the U.S. has a lot more climate change deniers, um, like than any uh, first world country, and and I think the only countries that like that like have more climate change change deniers than us is like Saudi Arabia. It, it, it's it, Saudi Arabia, it, Russia, and uh, like a few others. Like yeah. a lot of them are oil producing countries. Which, but my point is, is that like like I I think that getting the U.S. on that path is going. Like, like, like the other countries are honestly not a big deal because the other countries are more likely to sign on to something so long as it's a reasonable deal, right? But, I don't, but the issue is that America's losing any sort of prestige it has when it comes to making international deals because of our current president. But I think that, but, 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 I, think that, but I think that as soon as we lose that man, we'll be able to. Who says we're going to lose that man? And who says that man is not replaced by someone even more crazy? He is a very and, good point. This and is there's also the there's the also the point that our international. Uh, sorry, it's not based off of the assumption that someone who is pro um, taking action on climate change wins in 2020. If that doesn't happen, we're looking at potentially six more years of like limited action on climate change from the United States, which also, is one of the world's biggest outputs. Obviously, not the biggest, right? China and India vastly surpass the United States. Right, but here's the thing: okay. you want to hear something really interesting? The impact is not negligible. Right. But here's the thing that's really interesting is that shale is actually decreasing our carbon emissions, United States carbon emissions, just because we don't have to import it. Right. And that's uh, and the only country, one of the few countries that will be able to read the Kyoto Protocols is the United States because we have shale is actually a cheaper, cleaner form of gasoline than most ga- other kinds of gas. Therefore, right. we're using it like I know it's not the best system, but it's the, but the thing is with currently renewable energies is energy storage. That's the major issue with it, a lot of that's things. true. It's very see like th- there's this big like you know there uh, among a lot of people who are you know against climate change like who like basically who want to take action on climate change. There's the idea of just why not let, well, let's just convert to solar or wind or nuclear energy full time. It's not as easy as that because the current system of energy storage in the United States cannot accommodate 
that kind that level of energy storage without well, I think potentially it's also because we don't really incentivize people to actually try to build the infrastructure for it. Exactly. No, 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 no. The, the bigger, the biggest issue, the biggest issue is that there is no. For example, when you use solar energy, it only works in a day, and you need to store the energy at night. But there, is, we don't have enough batteries that would last that long. Oil can just burn at any time. Like the only viable other alternate solution is nuclear energy. That's which makes sense. Well, that's, that's can, exactly what we're saying when we say infrastructure. We mean developing technologies that. Would but the thing is that also, but if you want to, but the thing is that. But the thing is, in order to get it, the best form of the best material we can use for energy of batteries is lithium, which means we have to extract it, which means we're going to extract it in a in a very environmentally damaging way to extract enough lithium. And we don't have enough lithium in the world to produce enough energy to power the United States, which, which means, is why we need more climate change research. We need to. Right. I'm not denying that. I'm just saying, like, right now, that's the can't just switch over immediately that's okay. the and that's exactly and peter that's exactly what we're saying when we say infrastructure we mean we don't have the capacity yeah to okay i just want to i just want to make my right. point like i just want to add that in okay so uh moving on um we already covered uh, an lgbtq rights um his opinion yeah. of families and children are pretty pretty standard um families and kids are good don't kill them yeah um uh, foreign policy oh boy i want to know about so, this this is where this is where i make um, my bread and butter Strengthen, strengthen, uh, strengthen alliances, kind of like in NATO. Reinvest oh. in diplomacy. Um, Puerto Rican statehood is overdue step toward equality. Now I have something to say about that. I believe the Puerto Ricans did vote on whether they want to become let's, a state. Let's see the rest of the policies first before we. They vote every few years. The number creeps up, but we haven't actually hit majority. Yeah. Like, I would be more than happy on having a 51st state. It's really more like, do they even want to be a 51st state? Because I don't think... Here's no, let, me, let, me explain the, let me explain the problem with Puerto Rican statehood. I want them to be a state, but the issue is, one, everyone, every Puerto Rican that wants to be an American has gone to America. They just come over because... They don't. They don't need a paperwork. They just come that to America. That seems like an oversimplification. Right. But I'm not. I'm not done. There's also. But then, like, there's also that. And there's a lot of. There's a movement growing. Uh, there's. A, there's a movement in Puerto Rico that just wants to be independent. Like, okay, that's normal. That's to be expected. But then there's also the issues that getting them admitted would make them. Uh, because Puerto Rico is a very Democrat leaning state, which means a, a Republican dominated Congress won't let. Them them in because that means they're giving more power to the more power to the Democrats, which is something they won't do. And that's well, the issue. It that, technically doesn't. It doesn't. We don't have to rely on our Congress for Puerto Rico to declare statehood. However, no, they do because in order to become a full fledging state, they have in order to be instituted into the state, they have to. Well, it has to be passed through Congress. Well, that's how every other about, state was done before. Well, let's not talk about the hypothetical. Uh, let's talk about the hypothetical situation in that Puerto Rico wants to become a state and, and then being approved to become a state. Let's just focus on, like, A, should they become a state? B, B, does it... B, do they even want to? And stuff like that. Because, because honestly, a, a, a Republican-led Congress, a Democrat-led Congress, that's a whole... That's a whole that's thing that... We don't even know if we're going to have a Republican or Democrat-led Congress, we don't we, we don't know that yet, right? Right. But I'm yeah, just saying, as of right now, I'm just saying, as of right now. Yes, but let's not worry about that per se. Um, I think though we are all 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 in agreement uh, in the idea that Puerto Rico 
should become a state if they want it to be. However, it's looking like they really don't. I think they. Yeah. I, I okay. look. I I agree. It's just I don't agree that they don't want to. I just think it's just a mixture of. Okay. I I I I I just recall seeing a couple um things on the fact that Puerto Rico votes, but like there's like a movement to like not vote in the election, to like to like to like uh, to like sort of show that like you know like we don't even want to do that. I forgot what what the actual thing is, but yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Okay, so on go- oh, this one's really interesting. On government reform. Oh wait, we didn't talk about the other parts of the um, like strengthening alliances. I, I have to say that. Yeah, sure. I don't think our our alliance with NATO is going to last because what happened, what we did with Germany, and and I think NATO is going to fall apart like any day. In all honesty, I don't think NATO is going to last that long because. I'm not gonna- fully disagree with you there i do think especially well like regardless of united states relations i think a lot of european countries acknowledge that donald trump does not speak for the majority of the united states population it's, it was always it's always going to happen because america isolation yeah my concern is more with the rise of right-wing um groups in throughout europe right like it but- this this is not a change that is just localized to the United States or the Western Hemisphere. This is happening all over the world. And NATO was founded on a principle basically against... No, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. (laughs) It was founded against the idea of... No, no, the the point of... It served as the counter thesis to the Warsaw Pact. I know my history, Peter. Right. My point is, is that it was founded during a time when societal morals were different than what they are now right like we had just come out of a war like the whole world agreed that the war was awful and that we never wanted to do it again it has been long enough since that war that people have forgotten what a global war would look like like people have forgotten what happened during the holocaust they've forgotten the impact of world war ii like the fact that we are now seeing more and more fascist governments around the world combined with a rise in anti-Semitism, combined with a rise in uh, increased right, like when I say right-wing sentiment, I mean like beyond what is considered conservative. I mean like, you know, yeah, things we know. We, associated yeah, I, with the fascist parties, right? Like all of these, like these three things combined plus a rise in populism, right? There's been a lot of global economic crisis around the world there's more and more attacks on what is considered the truth. Like all of these things combined, I don't think makes for a good melting pot or like a good recipe for a renewal of NATO as it existed before. Here's the thing that I, I just have to disagree with you all. Just NATO as it currently stands is doesn't, it doesn't take it. doesn't matter what national policy, the way it's designed, it doesn't matter. Like if you're, for example, France was led by an authoritarian by Charles de Gaulle. Charles de Gaulle was kind of like a monarch king, like like a monarch president, like president of like for life. Yeah. The way he kind of ruled. And it didn't matter because it the whole point was to defend like defend the West against the East. Russia, right? But like so like like being right wing actually might be a better thing for NATO. You know, they will spend more money on the military. Poland Poland has gone pretty authoritarian. And they're like yeah, we're spending more on our military because we hate Russia, that sort of thing. Like, it's I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying that's what they're doing. But the thing is right now is that I think there's a lack of trust within NATO between the United States and the rest of NATO because 
And there's also the Eastern European and Western European factions within it. Western Europeans don't want to get another war because it's economically unviable. Because, you know, war is bad for the economy. However, for Eastern Europe, it's very important because they're on the front lines. Like, they see what happening is what's happening with Ukraine. The Baltic states are like, hey, could you protect us? We don't want to get fisted by Russia again. Please, could you do something? Poland's like, oh, no, we're not going to be repeating what happened in World War II. We want America to help us, that sort of thing. That's the issue right now with NATO is that there's competing interests within NATO. Like, America wants to be isolation because they don't want to get involved. Eat Western Europe. Always been competing interests, right? But it's not to this not extent because in the Cold War it was like, hey, we all have to work together because we're all gonna fucking die. That sort of thing. I would now argue that the distrust doesn't necessarily come from the fact that NATO distrusts the United States. No, I'm just I saying think this, it's this a matter all of general person right now, basically dictating foreign. But policy. the thing is that national policy in the United States is going to dictate towards a isolationist presidents because well, most like, Americans don't want to get involved. That, my point is, is that like, should our current president leave, right? The issue no longer becomes, is the current president of the United States potentially being influenced by Russian interests, right? But the, the, but the thing is that it's already too late. Damage the I, institutions to a point where it's going to be near impossible unless you take a momentous effort by all the countries to rebuild it. And I don't think that's possible in this current geopolitical landscape. Well, that's exactly my point with what I said. Even with president. a new president. Even the with a new president. The landscape has changed. I don't think our current president or even our current like foreign policy is the primary cause for... That's, I'm not saying it was. I'm just saying it's just we could have kept it going if we had a like different like mindset. But I'm just saying like it's just too late. I think NATO is just going to dissolve. That's, that's I don't think I NATO is going to dissolve. I think most of the nation in NATO recognize the necessity for a pact like NATO. I don't think it will continue to exist in its current form. I think there is going to be some kind of change within the way that NATO operates. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm just being pessimistic think right now. That, that pact is going to dissolve entirely, though. I think right now, right, like we're talking, like NATO was formed in a time when globalization wasn't yet really a huge thing, right? And like, actually, NATO was at its peak because of the Brentwood system in the 1940s, 1950s. Yes, you would Bretton argue Woods. that globalization was at its peak in the 1950s. No, no, what I'm saying is peaking, like it was starting to rise up. Yeah, trade was free trade. Globalization has moved far beyond what it okay. was. Okay, I, I misspoke. My bad. My bad. Right. I misspoke. But I would argue that right now, the necessity for something that interlinks nations is, it's not necessarily even, it's not going to be the cause of globalization. Globalization has happened. This is just going to be something that has to happen along with the level of globalization that we have in the world right now. It is impossible to truly isolate yourself from the rest of the world. Well, it might have been way easier in the 1920s, right? Because you're talking about a time when the internet did not exist, when you're talking about a time when massive government cooperation between nations did not exist. The UN did not exist, right? Like you're talking about a time when it was way easier to isolate yourself because you could shut the door. It's right. not possible now. We like every it's, country. No, it's possible. You just look at North Korea. You just. Can, you just look at North Korea. It's happening in everybody's country now. No, no, you can close the door. You just go to, you just go to North Korea. Boom, done. Okay, well, 
if you're going to establish... It's a joke. Just a joke. Come on. It's just a joke. many issues with your scientific method. Uh, No, that part was a joke. Like, hey, North Korea. Like, no. Everything else, yeah, I get what you're saying. Hey, I want to ask you guys this, right? Because this is something that... Like this is on Andrew Yang, right? This is something that like my my like my politics class and my Supreme Court class has discussed. Right. Andrew Yang has a policy for an eighteen year term limit for Supreme Court justices. Oh yeah, that, I think that. Okay, I was gonna before we do that, I was gonna ask Rahul one last thing is um, yeah. like he says he wants to build alliances, right? Did he say with countries he wants to build with because uh, certain countries? He was. He, he was because that's kind of vague, like. I mean, I'm on I'm on the issues.org doesn't have a ton of information. Yeah. Uh, for the next yeah. for the next uh candidates, which we're not going to get to another candidate after this, but like <laughs> but I mean like when we do other candidates, I'll see if I can find more research on them. Okay, because but, here's the thing, like but, I'm but, very but, biased but, towards hold what on, Hold on, hold on. But uh, they said strengthen alliances such as NATO. So I'm guessing okay. all the NATO countries. Yeah, and Probably Japan and South Korea. But my issue is that there's one country in particular that I'm very concerned about, which is kind of yes and no at the same time. It's Taiwan. Because, you know, my personal biases include me to think about Taiwan. But the issue with Taiwan is that we have a lot on the books that means we're going to protect them at all costs. But we haven't done anything to indicate that we actually will. For example, we haven't done any real joint training. We haven't, you know, we we sell guns to them, but we don't send, like, advisors. We don't send training to them. We don't train with them. You know what I mean? So it's a real issue is can we actually work with the Taiwanese army? And the Taiwanese army, since the 40-year isolation that they have gone through because of the, the rise in mainland China, are, is their army still a viable army? For, is that sort of thing. Like, those issues, those issues become, like, priority. You know what I mean? That's that's just you know food for fun. Okay, before we before we answer the question of Supreme Court justices, I just yeah. want to point out something really cute that I read. Um, also, Keanu, Keanu Reeves is a real sweetheart, and somebody should look up his answer to what. But like somebody asked him what would happen, what happens after we die, and his answer has been going viral, and it's the most adorable thing ever. Okay, minor side, minor sidetrack, but that's love Keanu. That's fine. Go ahead. He's Great person. Awesome. All right. So, Rahul, I don't know if you heard this earlier. So, um, Yang has a po- wants to implement a policy of an 18-year term limit for Supreme Court justice. Now, before I give you the opinions of, like, legal scholars and everything, like political mm-hmm. science scholars, because my professor basically wrote the textbook on this kind of stuff, I want to hear what both of you guys think. Oh, yeah, wait. Uh, um, uh, um, Supreme Court justices having a term limit. Yeah, an eighteen-year term. So, first of all, eighteen years. I, I I do question why that long, but I also and I haven't looked too deeply into I, this. Actually, I can I, I think I, I can guess why. It's because a lot of them are chosen when they're like six, like when they're fifty or sixty uh-huh. ish years yeah. old, and that means like they're gonna become like eighty by the time the. 18 years are done, which means, you know, they should retire. You know, like most people are retired by then. You know, they don't stay forever. So it's, it's, like, actually, it's a combination of that and the fact that when the Supreme Court was first instituted in the United States, the life expectancy was substantially lower. 
And by doing calculations, they found out that the average Supreme Court term at that time of a lower life expectancy, which was, you know, basically the context in which the Constitution was written, the average term was anywhere between 15 to 20 years. Um, I wouldn't mind having a a just lower, for his. I, 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 I wouldn't mind having a term limit on them. Um, I do think that. Uh, I do think that like I, I do think that like. It's not going to happen. Like, like that's like a fundamental part of government. It's just not going to happen, dude. You feel me? Okay. Yeah. So. What so, Peter? What's your what's your thoughts on the eighteen year limit? I just think like, is it gonna pass constitutionally? Because you know, they serve for life terms. And, like, but your idea on the topic itself, we're not. I just, I, 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 I know, I know, I know. I, I, because my thing is, like, I'm a constitutionalist. That's why I'm thinking, like, is it gonna pass constitutionally? But whatever. If we ignore that part, I, I see the benefits of it, and I see the downsides of it, like. I don't know. I, I just need to. I need to think more on this. I'm just like, oh, sounds like an interesting idea. Uh, it's it sounds to me like a lot like FDR's court packing, like like oh, idea. Trust me, <laughs> if you want to see what court packing looks like, look at Pete Buttigieg's proposal. Yeah, Supreme Court. It is no, complicated no. as hell, and okay. that is what court packing looks like. Right. This I know. What, what I'm just saying is that it just feels. The way I see it is just it's a it's like it makes sense you know you know you give them like terms because every other branch of the government has like you know you have ter- like term limits like you can only serve for so many long like so long but for me it's it kind of feels like an attack on the sovereign like the power of the Supreme Court justices you know what I mean um, like to an extent because it sort of limits like how long and it's just like I don't know like I just feel like it's kind of intrusive. So at times, just I, I need to think more on this before I give a definitive answer because this is the first I'm about this. So you know, this is so, off the cuff remarks. Like I don't I'm gonna, know. I'm gonna exposit some pluses and minuses of this topic, right? Like this is all stuff that political and legal scholars right now are debating, right? Yeah. The positives include the fact that having an 18-year term limit allows the Supreme Court to be more aligned with society and prevent its influence as a counter-majoritarian institution. So there's this there's this idea of the Supreme Court being a counter-majoritarian institution, which basically means that the court has the power to rule against what the majority of the United States believes, right? And the court often compensates by making its tests things like societal ex- expectation, right? Like the right to privacy's test is is this considered a reasonable societal expectation of privacy, right, when they're ruling on cases? But in yeah. things like Roe versus Wade and DC versus Heller, mm-hmm. you saw the court take a step in to a topic that would have normally been decided in the public sphere and as part of the marketplace of ideas. And instead, it like basically state their interpretation and make it the law. And a lot of research has indicated that both in the cases of Roe versus Wade and DC versus Heller, which is for those of you listening who might not know, Roe versus Wade is the case that decided abortion rights. DC versus Heller is the case that decided um, rights. amendment rights. I don't know. I'm assuming people are going to listen to this. I have no idea. I don't but, think they are, but like we might as well. Might as well, right? But um, both of those cases were um, like looking back are cases that both 
liberal and conservative politicians and individuals agree that were incorrectly decided, not because of the actual justification of the ruling, although I would argue that it, that explanation does apply to DC versus Heller, but they argue that the reason that those were incorrectly decided is because they shouldn't have been decided at all. So I, the thing, the thing I, I just have to say, in my opinion, like I can see why people say that, but for me, it's just like the point of the, the Supreme court is to be an arbiter on these sort of things. Like, Except not necessarily because there's this the, the thing is that they were brought to the Supreme court. So if the Supreme court is brought to pension, you know, the process of how co- cases are actually brought to the Supreme court, they choose it themselves. Yeah. They choose four out of the nine of them grant a writ of certiorari to a case. But do you know how many cases are actually granted certiorari every year? Like 10? Less than 1% of the cases that come from the courts directly below them. Yeah. These cases are very specifically handpicked. There is a reason that we have not had very many affirmative action cases or DC ver- or got a Second Amendment cases. The first major one is reaching the court next year. And affirmative action will be reaching the court next year. Why do you think it never happened? While because it's a very sensitive issue. It's a, it's a very sensitive issue. No, no, it happened. It didn't happen because the court had a liberal just majority that agreed with the rulings previously given. That oh. now shifted. Uh, okay, that's why you're going to see more. Look, there's this assumption that the Supreme Court is an objective arbiter of the truth. It should be. It's not. Yeah. Like, well. Who governs a lot of the ways that justices make their decisions. It's it's human nature to pick, like, as a judge to pick a case where you think your idea is going to win. There's a reason that Ruth Bader Ginsburg has not picked certain cases in the past few years. It's because she knows that with the current balance of the court, she's not going to win. And so it's better for it to stand as a district ruling that doesn't apply to the whole country than it is for it to reach the Supreme Court and apply as a national ruling. Yeah, that's the... The jurisdiction of courts makes a big impact here, right? So basically the idea that I'm getting at is that an 18-year term limit puts in new voices frequently enough that the pressure to create a national standard that will stand for all time isn't as strong because you know it's not going to, right? The idea, like right now, the idea of the Republicans court packing... Um, a lot of the the lower courts with Republican justices, right, with an 18-year term limit, a lot of their reasonings for doing so cease to exist. Um, the second point is that the Supreme Court is paid for and they are insured by the government. And once the justices hit a certain age, it actually becomes very expensive to handle their care. Yeah. So one of their points was that by having younger, healthier justices, you don't have the question of whether justice is actually mentally fit to be on the Supreme Court because the only way to remove them is by impeachment. Yeah. Right? You you remove the possibility of them potentially being mentally unfit to serve by setting a limit for the amount of time that they could. Right? doesn't remove all the problems, but it does medically actually alleviate a lot of the issues that there have been in previous years with justices who maybe should have stepped down but refused to. So I think, because Anya, you have convinced me. Uh, I think... Um, Wait, I'm, I'm not done. Hold up. That's, those were the plus sides. Oh. The 
<laughs> yeah, let weird. her say the cons because, like, you well, only hear I'm the good. Sorry, it has been a while. <laughs> yeah, no, no the con. Okay, I'm literally looking at DNA strands labeled plus and minus, so don't judge me. Um, but like the cons of this idea is that, as Peter stated, potentially in the eyes of many people who consider themselves strict constitutionalists, like sort of like me, authority of the court potentially, because you no longer have an like, independent judiciary that they have to accomplish in 18 years. And so you're going to have more justices picked who potentially are more extreme on their views because they need to decide cases within their 18-year limit. And there's also the issue, in my opinion, that there is also the fact that it kind of like takes power away from it because, like for example, the Supreme Court was like supposed to be isolation. It's supposed to be independent. But if you make you take this away from them... It makes them less independent because they're rotated. Well, okay, so the argument against that is that Supreme Court justices are not elected, and therefore they're not technically beholden to um, the vote, which is why it's considered counter-majoritarian as an institution. But I like this. I think the point with that specifically is that first, it potentially makes justices that get picked for the Supreme Court far more extreme like you you won't have as many moderate justice anymore and the second point is that with that comes the rapid overturning of precedence in every 18 year cycle yeah that's kind right. of another thing i don't i don't want is because color right now there is a republican majority right but the case the, the supreme court stands as such because justices can't ignore precedent now if you have an 18 year term limit one argue that the term limit itself implies the end of that precedent with the institution of a newer court. And the way that people say they would get around this is by staggering the terms, right? So, you know, you wouldn't have every justice leave at the same time. Every You'd have like at least one or two at most at any given yeah, time. Yeah, every two years, one justice would leave essentially and a new one pointed. But then the point then becomes the replacement process is pretty long and tedious. Um, yeah. And if you give it to like, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of pros and cons with this particular idea. I will say that according to most legal scholars, it's not immediately a bad one, and it doesn't necessarily reduce the power of the Supreme Court in the way that people think. It's just not it. It first, it's not likely to pass constitutional. Um, review by use of an amendment, right? Like you need 37 out of the 50 states. Most states will just vote down it. Most of them are going to vote no, basically because there's no research or evidence on the topic. Like this isn't like the Equal Rights Amendment. Like right now the Equal Rights Amendment is 36 out of 50, right? And there's been research done on the topic that shows that there are benefits to the Equal Rights Amendment that would exist should it be implemented here the research is a lot more vague like nobody really knows exactly what the because no one really looked into it until now oh being looked into now because someone said it and like this is not me being shady or anything but the republicans were very effectively able to manipulate the process to place judges in lower courts right it is not People assume that the Supreme Court is the end-all, be-all. It's really not. Because consider, if, if you take the example of the Supreme Court picking 1% of federal district cases to review, 
It's most of it goes to the. A lot of the times, the buck stops at the district court. It does. District court takes maybe five percent of the cases below them. The buck stops there. A lot of the times, judges in local and state courts are actually the final line to make rulings for a lot of cases, unless the case is particularly controversial. So, like Roe v. Wade or Heller. DC versus well, okay. So a lot of those things were handpicked. So there's also this assumption that cases that reach the Supreme Court are like, you know, moral questions. Hell no. Nah. A lot of them were test cases. The plaintiffs, the 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 lawyers, everything down to what the person was wearing at the time the incident occurred are handpicked by lawyers to test cases. Rosa Parks, that was actually a test case. She was being used to challenge the constitutionality of segregation on buses. She was not, she was handpicked for the job. This was not a thing where she just randomly decided one day not to do it. Because she's, because the reason why they picked her was because one, she's a stream shirt. She was actually, it, there's a lot of colorism involved. She was fairer than most African Americans at the time. And so they believed that would get her some level of sympathy in a court. She was mm -hmm. picked because she was a secretary. She hadn't really done anything inflammatory in her life, even though she was the NAACP secretary. And the fact that she was their secretary meant that she was entitled to their legal representation, whereas another person might not have been entitled to that legal representation. So almost like DC versus Heller, test case. The current Harvard uh, Harvard versus Asian Americans case? Test case. Test case. It was the and there's a lot of people there's a lot of people saying that it's being used a few years ago. Uh, speak on that case. There's there's some talks that I've been hearing that like, oh, it's the white majority wanting to Asian American like okay. a guinea pig. I like, think we're getting off of topic with oh, Andrew, but we yeah, are. Like, I mean, I'm looking at a lot of his policies. They're definitely interesting. He's definitely adopted a lot of policies that other Democratic candidates have talked about, but won't implement. So, um, I'd like to interject here. Uh, this is a fantastic conversation. Uh, all I have to say is that um, we are now approaching one and a half hours. Yes. So let's make this a part two. We will. We no, will no, off. no. We can. Go, we. Can, I can stay for multiple hours. Don't. Don't. Uh, don't. I have four exams and a project finished. Right. So I oh, actually true. do have like other work I gotta get done. Week. Um. So let's make this, this a part two. Science. I'm joking. What? Wait. What? I was like, just because you're social science and you're you have all the free time. Oh right. fuck off, bitch! I said I <laughs> fuck was. Fuck off! Well, fuck off! Like, you, you, you're gonna have to bleep that. I'm not bleeping anything. We're just gonna keep it. Like, I... bitch, <laughs> bitch lasagna. That's that's a mean thing to say. I've written like thirty fucking pages before I got back all here. Right. So I I've earned my right to do nothing. Well, Ananya. Uh, uh, I, I was really only I, I was really only banning off, I was really only banning cursing to protect like um, ourselves individually. Like, yeah, no, it's all good. Um, I'm just gonna no, keep it. Peter goes down. Oh fuck off! Like, I don't know. But uh, I'm gonna You're make a I'm gonna make a new voice chat called podcast, and we'll try to figure out what's going on. This is all yeah. gonna be in the recording. But anyway. Um, um, we're gonna we have just edit this shit out. We're gonna have an Andrew Yang slash slash opinions on the issues, um, <laughs> podcast part two. 
coming who knows when, whenever we all have free time. So but tomorrow. Either way, either so way like, thank you guys for listening. Um, uh, subscribe if you're interested in a bunch of... Jesus uh, Christ, just cut the end of the video. Just end the fucking video. Yeah, please subscribe. It's not a video, like. it's a podcast. Anyway. Whatever. End this stupid YouTube video shit. Alright. I love how you said it again. See yeah, I later. know. Because I'm trying to piss you Bye. off. Bye. Help. Oh,